So I'll open with a scripture verse, uh, James 119. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, and this is a scripture that should come into mind whenever we're in a potential conflict with another person, um, because uh, this is advice that the Bible has for us on conflict. Yeah, I did a search in the Bible for conflict, and there's, there's, there's very few, uh, I can't find any verses that say, make sure the other party leaves the discussion believing what you, your point of view. So a little bit about me um, in, in terms of the introduction. Actually, if I was a little higher, I was going to stand. Do you notice the resemblance between me and the silhouette I choose to represent me? I think he's a bit better looking. I don't know. Um, so I'll skip past this part since Chuck did a fabulous job with the, uh, the introduction. Um, and we'll go right into defining conflict. So it is a serious disagreement or argument and can typically be a protracted one. So a conflict can be a moment in time between two people, it can be a dis more of a disagreement, but oftentimes there's an undercurrent. A conflict that has gone poorly can drive a wedge between you and another person for a very long time. I have relatives who haven't spoken to each other in years, um, and it's heartbreaking to see. And it's like um, severing a limb from the body of Christ. Um, we, we're not here for that. We're not here to experience um, long-term protracted conflict. So I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to separate the concepts of conflict resolution versus mediation. So conflict resolution is between me and another party. There is a conflict and I'm working to resolve it, or maybe the two of us are working to resolve it, versus mediation, in which case some elders may get involved in. I'm not, it's going to be outside of the scope of this a particular breakout session, but uh, mediation would be me as an elder or me as an individual um, mediating two other parties, and I'm the disinterested third party. Some people conflate those terms that as a conflict, uh, being in conflict resolution, I'm the third party. I'm talking about I'm one of the two parties in the conflict. So, um, I have kind of a Clint Eastwood fan and uh, spaghetti westerns. Um, so let's talk about for a moment, I'm going to give you a few minutes. We're going to, I'm going to look for you to shout out answers. The good, the bad, and the ugly of conflict. It's not always a, necessarily a bad thing. Um, so I want to hear some, some things about um, conflict that might be good. What, what kind of things do you think of when you think of conflict that might be good? You can grow from them. You can grow from them. Very good. Yes. I was going to say the relationship between the two individuals that have successfully gone through the conflict mm -hmm. will be much stronger you, as a result of it. Right. If you successfully resolve, you can have a stronger relationship at the end. Yes. So you can 
think out the box. Right, you can think out the box. Very good. Yes? You can bring clarity to something that was fine. Yeah, you can bring clarity. Very good. Sometimes it's necessary in order to bring about change. It is necessary to bring about change, yes. It, it reveals blind spots. Re reveals blind spots. And just for the other person or also for both parties? That's right. What else? Yes. Exactly. Differing opinions are not always bad. Like uh, last night, uh, Pastor Maddox, we um, heard talking about the different bodies of Christ, and we not, not necessarily all the same. Yes, very good. Any others? Learning more deeply about the other person. Correct. Any others? All right, what about the, the bad? What's, what are the bad things about conflict? It hurts, absolutely. Unresolved. It can be unresolved. No one likes going through it. No one likes going through it. That's right. It requires change. Yeah. Lost friendship. Lost friendship. Yep. Ignoring. Ignoring. Yeah. 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 Leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. It spreads. Yes, like a virus. Yes, it can end a friendship for sure. Yeah. Loss of souls. That's a powerful one. But absolutely, I have a very close relative of mine who um, stopped attending church as a result of a disagreement. Um, and um, thankfully, I think they still have a relationship, but they don't have a community that they, they attend to. So you're, you're absolutely right. It affects every aspect of your life. That's right. I, I wasn't sure if there was going to be an ugly. Maybe, maybe are there any uh, bad and ugly were very, very close, but I couldn't resist. They were so close. I wanted, I wanted to use the Clint Eastwood reference. And it, it can split a church. Yes. Back at the back. It sows mistrust. Oh, absolutely. Public conflict can be very bad. Oh, very good. Yes, it can affect your health. That is ugly. Yep. Um, and if it, if it is public um, and your church is in the center of it, mm -hmm. then to the community, that's an ugly look. Oh, yes. Because that's a bad for church, and the community yes. sees that. And, you know, I don't know about everybody, but I'm sure we've all seen that happen. Yes. And the church gets a real bad look. For sure. Uh, can you imagine being a new member off the street? coming in and there's a palpable conflict going on in the church. It's terrible. Yes? Could lead to legal and uh, ramifications. Oh, legal ramifications? Yeah. Extreme ugly is like the Pharisees and Sadducees, what they did to Jesus. Oh, you're absolutely right. Lead to somebody's death. There's a scar there, even after it's healed. Oh yeah, very very true. That the the scars left after a bad conflict, it can be very ugly. Very good. So what's going on behind the scenes of conflict? What what are what are the underlying factors that that can play in? And I'm going to give these answers to you, but we can feel free to to add more uh, if you have them. So there's pride. 
involved, typically in both parties. There's a, there's a sense of I'm the correct party. There's fear. Um, there's, there's fear of um, being proven wrong. There's, there's fear of this escalating out of hand. There's a bit of power involved, who's in charge. As Pastor Steve said in the earlier message, if you're getting into an argument, um, and I'm just beginning to argue who's in charge at that point, who, who's, who's taking the, the helm, right? Um, that's taking power for yourself. There's scarcity. There's a sense of scarcity. During a conflict, what I mean by scarcity is a lack of abundance. Christ offers what? abundance and yet our natural instinct is to treat all resources as scarce including time uh, that you know we don't have time to hear someone out uh, so we treat this as when someone's speaking I'm waiting to give my response I'm not listening I'm, I'm waiting to reply and I'm, I've got my gun loaded right and it's 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 looking um, at the world not as Christ would have it but as we as, as we would. And finally, um, win-lose. A conflict is when as in, I win and you lose, or you win and I lose. If, if that's your approach to a disagreement or a conflict with someone, he, here's the secret, you both lose. Because very rarely can you tell somebody something that they don't already know. So, there are, so when you're getting into a conversation that could be becoming a conflict, I want to in, uh, introduce to you the concept of, of conversational needs. There are, are two basic types of conversational needs. There are emotional needs, and then there are rational needs. We often, in a conflict, it focus exclusively on the rational needs of a conflict. I'm going to convince you that you're wrong and that I'm right through logic. Unfortunately, it completely overlooks the other half of the conversation that is going on. And we are physiologically incapable of separating the two. So let me show you a, a, a little illustration here. So this is from Emotional Intelligence 2.0. But the information that we receive physiologically enters through our spinal cord. And it first travels through our limbic system. And the limbic system is where we associate feeling to what we have received, pleasant or unpleasant. The words that we're hearing come through the limbic system first. And attack, we attach emotion to those, um, to those words before it gets to your frontal lobe where you can process things rationally. So going back to this slide with the emotional and rational needs, I, I, like to, I color-coded these on purpose, red and blue. So the, the, the blue and rational needs can't be met until the red needs have been met. You, because of this pattern here, you have to resolve the emotional needs of a conversation before you can move to rational. 
There's no point in talking logically with someone until you have met your, the red needs. Have you ever seen that conversation where one person is talking blue and the other person is talking red? And there's, there's no dialogue happening at that point. Um, so what I'm going to do next here is we're going to um, talk about addressing those emotional needs. You'll remember at the beginning of this discussion, we talked about hearing and being heard. So um, I'm gonna, we're going to work through two techniques for sending a message that you're hearing someone, and then we're going to talk through two techniques of being heard. And, uh, and then you're going to get an opportunity to practice amongst yourselves. So I've built in a good amount of time in this for, you, for us to, to practice with each other uh, with some loaded statements. So, yeah, I can tell y'all are looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching you. <laughs> so, active listening. So this is um, when you are sending a message to someone that you are paying close attention to what they are, um, to what they have to say. You are not uh, waiting for them to respond. Have you ever had someone in a conversation or in a conflict where you make a statement and then they make another statement that is completely unrelated to what you just said? Do you think they were listening? Did you get the message that they were listening? Absolutely not. So when you are actively listening with someone, you, the only thing that you're saying, you're putting on your investigative journalist hat. And the only thing you're trying to do is understand their point of view, not weigh it against your point of view. And so you are, you are asking with uh, probing questions, um, as in not loaded questions, probing questions where you are truly trying to understand their point. Uh, you are asking, you are responding with door opener type statements if you don't have a probing questions, such as, I see, go on, uh-huh. The, these, these kind of things that are sending a message that you're paying attention. And then you're, once you start feeling like you've got an idea of what they're saying, you're paraphrasing what they said. You're not, you're not parroting, uh, you're paraphrasing what they said. Uh, and if you get it wrong, then they correct you and then you, you try it again. It's, it's okay to be wrong when you try to paraphrase. A lot of people may be resistant to try to paraphrase what somebody is saying because they have, um, they're afraid they're not gonna get it right. If you're afraid you're not gonna get it right, the best way to find out is to say it. Uh, and if they correct you and, you and you adjust your paraphrase, you're sending that message to them that you actually care what they have to say. And then, so what are you thinking about at that moment? You're thinking only about what is being said and you are not thinking about what you want to say. You are, you, are, um, you are focused on learning from them. You see this as a learning opportunity. And then what you look like, you're sending the, you're nodding, you're making eye contact, you're potentially leaning in, or on occasion you might be matching their body language, kind of just kind of depending what seems appropriate. But, but in general, if you're not sure what to do, you can just kind of lean in to show that you're, that you're interested. 
What you're not doing is the body language that says that they are completely wrong and you're waiting and you're just stone cold staring them down. Does this look like I'm open to what you're saying? Not at all. So you have, you have an open body language, you're listening, you're making eye contact, um, and you're sending that message. And then the message they receive is, you are hearing me. But this is really with the, the rational part of the brain. Um, and so we're gonna get into the emotional part of the brain in the next piece. But first, I'm gonna give you all an opportunity to practice. So what I want you to do, we're gonna take five minutes and I want you to pair off with each other and I want you to tell a one minute story about your day, your drive up here, last night. Anything, um, it doesn't have to be all that important. But I want you to take turns. So time yourselves, because I'm gonna give you five minutes here. Um, use your active listening techniques that we just talked about. Um, so that nodding, paraphrasing, door openers. Um, and then finish with summarizing what you were told and then switch. So with the summary and everything, I think five minutes will be just a little bit too much time, but I'll also watch to see how everything's going. Yeah, these conversations, you guys look so engaged. I hated to break them up. I can tell. I can tell. That's, I know. <laughs> We're about to have a conflict. It's possible that the conversation you're having is more interesting than what I have to say. But Mickey wants me to finish this. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. So how did that feel? Great. How, how, how did you feel when you were the speaker? Did you feel heard? Did you feel like that person was interested in you as a person in what you had to say? How about you as the listener? How did you feel? <laughs> I thought about testing you. I thought about, I, I actually thought, hey, should I have somebody get up and say what the other person had told them? Um, but then I decided to be, you know, God was merciful. I, I, will, I will show mercy as well. So the next thing is emotional restate. So remember we would talk about the limbic system and we would talk about red versus blue, the red emotional versus the blue. So the emotional restate is you're not restating what they just said. You're restating their feelings, right? You are, um, you are going to translate, and again, it's imperative that you're not parroting. You're going to translate what they said into, um, into an emotional statement. And, and this takes a little bit more finesse because you're trying to interpret the feelings that someone has at a moment. Um, let's say uh, you're having a conversation with your, a conflict with your spouse and you come home late and dinner is cold and the spouse says, I can't believe you didn't call me. Dinner is, is cold and the kids are in bed. What were you thinking? Like our first reaction is to, is to say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't call or, uh, you know, 
or maybe, hey, I just make excuses. Oh, I had a really important thing I was doing and I couldn't get to my phone and, you know, it's kind of excusing that behavior. But at that moment, what is the message your spouse is sending? The emotional message. Yeah. I'm hurt. Yeah, you didn't care. It's, it, it is, a, it is a, something along the lines, you, you, could, you can say, you must feel uh, like I was completely inconsiderate. You must feel like uh, I didn't take your feelings into account at all, or I didn't, I, that I don't appreciate how much effort you put into dinner. Has nothing to do with what she just said, but has everything to do with what she or he is feeling, right? And so it takes some practice. Um, I still do this with my wife today, and she says, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I still like it. <laughs> so uh, put this into practice. You will be amazed. It's, it's, in fact, it also works exceptionally well um, with kids. Um, kids are notoriously bad at expressing themselves in terms of what they're feeling. Like, you're going to get X you're going to hear, they're going to say why. Um, and so, hey, you're really angry about going to bed right now. You were really into what you were doing. I mean, the kid's throwing a tantrum, and our, our, our first reaction is, just go to bed. Just stop, go to bed. You know, and that is, that's the thing where we can assert our power as a parent and force them to go to bed. And, you know, they're going to have a tear-soaked pillow. How many more minutes does it take for you to say, just to acknowledge those feelings? You're really upset. And digging into that, maybe they're afraid. Maybe there's something under their bed in their imagination. So this, th these kind of techniques can be used with kids and adults alike, and it works fabulously. Um, so we're going to do some practice. And I chose some pretty loaded <laughs> statements um, to fire off at each other. Okay, and so these are not statements that I recommend that you use in conflict resolution. Um, what I tried to do was select some things that you might hear as an elder, uh, hopefully not, uh, but you might actually hear. And because uh, I, I'll, sometimes I'll go to one of these presentations and I'll, they'll give a really softball practice, and then I go out into the real world and I'm like, that, that isn't the same at all. Um, so um, we're going to give it a shot to try to emotionally restate these, um, these messages. And um, if you're having difficulty, we can call, you can call a timeout, and we can practice together as a group. But we're going to try to pair off together, and one of you will make a statement. I don't think you go, need to go through all three. Maybe one of you can make a statement, and the other one can restate, and then you can, you can swap. So we might be able to do this in less than five minutes. I've allocated five minutes for it, but, but I want to see, you know, and hopefully it doesn't come to blows. Hopefully we don't have to, we can still do this in love. Um, but what I want you to do when you're, when you're reading this message and, and you're get, I'm letting you cheat right now because I'm letting you think about what might be the underlying emotion that is causing someone to make this statement. Um, and then you can try it out with each other. Okay, any questions on this one? This is a little trickier, at the back. Pair up, again. 
make that statement, and then what you're going to do is you're going to emotionally restate that statement. So what I would suggest you do is, um, is try it one, then the other. One person makes the statement, then you emotionally restate it. If you felt like that that was appropriate, you can move on to the next statement. If you felt like maybe you want to take a shot at it, you can switch and, and do those same things. So you should be able to do this in a minute or two. I can give you up to five minutes to do it. Or give, um, you don't even have to start with the first one. You can, you, if you think the one's e another one easier, say, hey, give me, give me that one. I know what the emotion is for that one. Um, go ahead and give it a try. And call a timeout if, if we want to uh, try this together. All right? Go. That's supposed to have fun on <laughs> All right. The cricket says it's time. All right. How did that go? Went well? Yeah. Did you? Were you? Yeah, you all feel guilty? <laughs> Very good. Well, that wasn't the point of this exercise, but, you know, I'm not above using guilt either. <laughs> so, um... Do you, do you feel like you hit the mark? Listeners, did the person hit the mark? Yeah. Yes? No, I'm seeing yeses and nos. You didn't hit the mark? Were you going rational? Were you going with the rational thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh -huh. Yeah, I understand. That, that's, that's a challenging one. And, and this is a staged setting. You can imagine if somebody hits you between the eyes with something like that, it's hard to, to hold back that pride. Go ahead. Yes. And I can tell you people hate that. They don't want your solution. I can promise you. If they ask you, hey, what do you think I should do about this? That's the time for the solution. Your wife will tell you that. Sometimes they just want to hear, wow, that's terrible. I can't believe you had to go through that. And I've had to bite my tongue a number of times when I had a solution that seemed so clear. The solution is let them feel heard. Let them feel heard. Let them know that you understand. Uh, that's the solution that they're looking for, not any other tangible solution. Right, right. All right. So, all right, we talked about two, about, uh, about hearing and sending a message that the person, um, that, sending a message to that person that you hear them and that you understand what they are, um, what, what they're trying to convey. Now we're going to talk about two techniques for being heard. And in, in all honesty, it's not always necessary to get your point across. You know, I like, again, you know, I was so glad that you covered some of the, the, uh, the not arguing, because sometimes it's, it's more important about finding the common ground than convincing the person one way or the other. Um, in fact, um, you had talked about, uh, Pastor Steve had talked about um, 
agreeing to what to the extent you can agree and there's a I didn't include it in this presentation because I was going to go two and two but if I had included a third I would have included that and that technique is called fogging as in fog right someone is striking out at you and and all they hit is fog because you are agreeing to the extent that you can with what they're what they're saying without compromising your um, values or your, your personal beliefs, you can agree on your observation. At the very least, you can say, yes, I can see that you feel that I didn't study at all uh, to prepare for this sermon. And that's another, uh, that's another technique that kind of puts people on their heels because they're coming in for a conflict. Um, but anyway, so, so um, that, that is another good technique for kind of sending a message that, that someone's being hurt. Um, but the, the being heard is, uh, there's a couple of techniques for that. One of them um, that I think originated with um, like parent effectiveness training in like the 60s. The, the author, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he was, he was a Nobel Prize um, nominee for, for this and among other things. But, but I messages as opposed to you messages, right, are messages about yourself. So we don't always have necessarily rational things that we're bringing to an argument, right? We, have, we also have feelings that we're bringing to an argument. So, so when we are expressing our feelings about uh, a certain act, right, we, you, a person cannot argue with how you feel about a thing. If you come at somebody with like, you were so inconsiderate to have been late uh, and, and missed dinner, that a person can disagree with. You're putting a label on me and you're making a statement about me as a person. Oh, go ahead, there's a comment. I'm just, just not a comment, a question. Oh, question. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, th and that's that's true. So uh, we we'll, we'll use that example. So instead of um, you were inconsiderate, uh, that, How would you say that so I feel completely disregarded because um, I sat, let, sat here with dinner chilling on the table and no one to share it with me um, because uh, when when I sit at I feel completely disregarded when I sit at the table. Uh, with dinner chilling and eating by myself um, because um, th then you can say you had, you had something that you felt was more important to attend to. Um, what I need is for you. You can then say you, like the ch then the changing of the behavior. Um, but do you see the kind of nuanced difference? It seems like you felt whatever you were doing was more important than, than being home for dinner. But you can start with the, the I message. To the extent possible, you do want to avoid saying you. Um, and with practice, it gets, um, it gets easier. So um, we're going to go with an I message example because um, this is a, requires a little bit more nuance. So we'll use the example that, was, that we just went through uh, with the nobody asked my opinion on the worship service. I would have never have chosen that style of music. Right? So if, if you were the person making that statement, that is a you message. Nobody, you didn't ask me my opinion on, on, the, uh, on the worship service. So the I message is, 
I feel angry when I'm not consulted about the worship service because it is important to me. I want to have a say in how the service is conducted. That has nothing to do with that person. And that cannot, you cannot argue with that statement, right? You can, but it's kind of pointless, right? And, and so it's, it's a way to get this message across. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending that, that uh, these are the issues you take up in your church. You know, I'm, I'm just picking random things that people might say and using those examples. But um, it, that's kind of the difference. Do you see? Does that kind of clear it up a little bit better? It's probably better than my impromptu example was. Um, so it, it does take a little bit of practice to do iMessages, but it can be very effective in getting your message across. Because remember, when you're responding, it is going through the limbic system before it gets here to rational thought. So it really doesn't matter what you say as much as it matters whether or not what you say is received. And it's not received if it gets stopped at the limbic system as just a bunch of hooey, right? Um, so again, what do you think we're going to do next? Practice. We're going to practice uh, because this stuff is way easier. Which, well, I guess you could say it's, it's way easier said than said, but that doesn't make sense. Right? But it's way easier to, for me to tell you about these things than for you to actually say them on the fly. Um, so we're going to go with a um, two of those you messages that you just worked with for um, emotional restate, and we're going to we're going to give it a try on. Uh, and I haven't written the, the responses to these, so I may invite somebody to if they feel like they got a really good restate in there to 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 come up and share it or to share it from the table. Are you ready? Um, so you're going to convert these two you messages, so one for each partner. So you're going to pair up again, and you're going to say a you message, and then the other person can uh, convert it to an I message, and then you're going to switch, and you're going to do the second one. Okay, so, so um, as you, you pair up, so person, person A is going to say the you, the you message, number one. And then, you're, then person B is going to say that you message number one in the format of an I message, right? You're going to re restate this you message into um, an I message like this, where it is um, the I feel when, do you get it? We'll give it a try. All right. If you have questions, raise your hand. Okay. We'll give it a shot. Exactly. And, and so it, it takes, um, that one takes a little more practice. So um, what I'm reading between the lines on the, your sermon wasn't biblical, um, if, if I were reading between the lines, because somebody, this is an example where somebody's coming at you with, with A, but their underlying issue was probably B. And they're talking to you about something that is completely unrelated to their problem. And they're coming with an accusation. Um, and so if I would interpret the, the, what this person is upset about is that they weren't, they, they, they don't feel like you've consulted them on their particular biblical point of views and they don't share your, your belief, you see? And, um, and so if I were, um, if I were responding with it, um, if I were saying this in the form of an I message, 
I would say this in, in terms of something of like, something like, I feel like, although we've talked about this a number of times, uh, I'm not getting my message heard in the sermon that was presented today. So whatever it is, whatever issue they, they particularly have with um, that, that sermon, it, it can be approached in, a, in more of an I message and be a little closer to what they actually had an issue with. Go ahead, Ryan. It's interesting because number two for us. You are actually giving me a segue from I messages to the next, to the next technique. So thank you. Um, Thank you. So, Socratic method. So, um, let's see. Socrates, what he might look like if he were alive today. I, had, I, I thought that was a really cool artist rendition of Socrates. Um, so, we may not have time to actually do the five minutes um, with this particular one, but it's especially valuable. So, your point is valid, Ryan, that... Um, that it's not always, the iMessage isn't necessarily the only tool in the tool belt that you want to use, right? The iMessage is more when you've got an emotional um, thing that you want to get out, and that's, and, and that's the way to address it. But the so Socratic method, probably made famous in the movie The Paper Chase, it's often, it's often one of the things you'll see in kind of legal discourse, where you're, you're, you're leading someone to a conclusion through a series of questions. Um, and so you can use the Socratic method in a much more um, effective way to get, your, to get your point across than that question which was the, the, your sermon wasn't biblical thing. So the ex example here would be think of the concern that you have about whatever it is that that message was and you, you kind of ended it in that, in, in, almost in a Socratic method type question. Where would I go to find that message in the Bible? Or um, have you considered how does your message address this and how does it align with these things? So you're coming almost as if a student up to that person seeking learning. But when a person then responds and they verbalize their answer, it can actually, saying it out loud engages a different part of the brain. Um, and you can, you can actually, in, at times, lead someone to um, your conclusion through a series of questions that they answer. Go ahead. I was exactly. Uh, I, it's interesting that you, um, that you mentioned that particular example because I also thought that the woman at the well with Jesus um, as I was kind of preparing for this, um, was a great example of, of, of two people who were very different, had very different perspectives, and approached each other in a matter of openness as an opportunity to learn from each other. The woman at the well uh, saw it as an opportunity to learn, right? And, and we could take a lesson from the woman at the well. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I was going to do a five-minute, uh, another five-minute uh, practice, but the conversation and engagement has been so good that we don't necessarily have time to, to do the five-minute practice. Um, and I want to respect your time, and I know I'm standing between you and lunch. So um, I encourage you, um, I encourage you to, to practice with these. And I, I have a few questions. Oh, go ahead.
All right, Mickey is here telling me that I'm done, so y'all are going to have to ask him. Oh, that's a, that's a present. What does the present mean? Wrap it up. Oh, wrap it up. <laughs> Very good. Well, maybe, maybe what I'll do, I'll tell you what I can, I can do is I will wrap up and we'll, we'll close it, and then at the end, those who wish to stay, we can do the five-minute practice. Does that sound good? Yes. Perfect. Okay, so, and I prepared some doozies for this, this particular one. So I'm not necessarily recommending that these are the issues that you bring to someone else, but I thought it would be, be helpful or interesting to, to see what, what you came up with using the Socratic method on these. So um, these, are the, these are the statements that, um, that, I'm, uh, that I'm bringing up. And, and, I'm, and I'm not necessarily suggesting that you go take up these issues with, with members of your church or with your pastor or anybody. I'm just, I tried to pick some doozies. So um, this would be where I would give you guys five minutes to pair up and practice. So we will skip this for now. We'll move to where I can get to my final slide. And then those who wish to stay, we can practice it. And then I can be available to talk through. Okay? Very good. Final recap here. We went through four different, um, four different methods that kind of go into two groups, hearing and being heard, right? You're sending a message that you are hearing the person uh, across from you in a conflict through active listening. And often, just through those steps alone, you can visibly see uh, a de-escalation of that person's emotions. Because when you start restating to them accurately, when you are actively listening and replying to them accurately, what you're doing is you're getting them to, to agree with you. Because they're agreeing that what you said about what they said is accurate. And that emotion, the kind of the limbic system starts toning down. And it stops, it isn't putting as much weight on the words that are coming through um, and, and you can then, once you have kind of addressed those red needs, you can start to have a blue conversation. Uh, just remember within yourself, have you addressed your own red needs? Um, are you able to have a blue conversation? Um, and then on the, the second piece is being heard, using iMessages to, to kind of address your, usually typically red needs, and then the Socratic method to have a blue conversation. Um, so that's it. If you don't mind, uh, I will share with you the final. Um, I'm going to go back to James 1.19 because I think this is probably the best advice uh, for conflict resolution. It's far better than I can give. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you join me in a moment of prayer. Lord God, um, I pray that these, these tools that... Uh, that, you, that we're learning today, that we understand their, their tips and tricks. But true healing and true understanding comes through the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that and we welcome it in our hearts. And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit fill us, fill those with whom we engage, bless the, all of the attendees here at the uh, elders, First Annual Elders Consortium. And Lord, uh, Stick with us, Lord, and, and, and direct our lives as you would have us walk. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.